Why is it important to study history in the United States Army? What is actionable history? And how does that affect current decision-making at all levels of command and leadership? Answers to these questions and more Army History Insights coming up. Welcome to the U.S. Army History and Heritage Podcast, the official podcast of the United States Army Center of Military History. The Center of Military History writes and publishes the Army's official history, manages the U.S. Army Museum Enterprise, and provides historical support throughout the U.S. Army. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the United States Army History and Heritage Podcast. I'm Lee Reynolds, the Strategic Communications Officer for the Center of Military History. I want to welcome you to the premiere episode of the United States Army History and Heritage Podcast from the United States Army Center of Military History. You know, I think it's appropriate that for our first episode, we talk about why history is important to the Army and how Army history program is used, and that we talk a little bit about who we are as the center of military history. And I can think of no better person to discuss these topics with than the executive director of the Center of Military History, Mr. Charles R. Bowery, Jr. Welcome, Mr. Bowery, to what is essentially your podcast. Thanks, Lee. It's really a pleasure to be here and pretty cool to be sitting in this space. All right. Thank you. Yeah, we've created, for those of you listening, uh, we've created a little studio here at the Center of Military History, and it's full of our publications, which I think we'll talk about in a few minutes. A little background on Mr. Bowery. He is a retired Army colonel who spent his 23-year career as an Army aviator flying Apache helicopters. Uh, I think that's pretty awesome. (laughs) Uh, He deployed twice to Iraq and commanded an Apache regiment in Afghanistan. But of course, he is no stranger to history. He received his bachelor's degree and master's degree in history, taught history at West Point, and has published three historical books focused on the Civil War. He's currently working on his Ph.D. in history. And uh, I didn't say what schools. I don't know if you want to talk about the schools that you went to. or. Yeah, my bachelor's is from William & Mary in Williamsburg, Virginia. Go Tribe. <laughs> my master's is from North Carolina State University in Raleigh, North Carolina. Go Wolfpack. <laughs> and I'm working on my Ph.D. at the George Washington University in Washington, D.C. Raise high. Wow. All right. Well, um, I got all the mottos. Yeah. <laughs> And that's important. Um, um, so what am I missing about your background? What, uh, what do you want to bring up that I haven't touched on? Well, what I tell people is that I've been a historian in some form as far back as I can remember. And I got that a lot from my environment. I grew up in Tidewater, Virginia. And the story I like to tell is that my bus ride to school in elementary school every day went through a battlefield, and it was the Seven Days Battles oh. outside of Richmond, Virginia. And so every day I would see those historical markers as we drove those roads, and it sparked my interest in history, particularly in the Civil War, and I began to read from a young age and really never stopped. Wow, wow great. Um, and, uh, well, I, I'm so glad that you're here to help us kick off our very first podcast today. But I, I think what would be really helpful, you know, we're here at the Center of Military History, and just for our audience, people who don't know who we are or what we do, could you explain uh, what CMH is all about, the mission and role of CMH in the Army? Sure. The short answer is that we fill a couple of different roles for the Army. Uh, first and foremost, we are the command historical office for Headquarters Department of the Army. 
which means that we provide staff historical support to the Army's leadership. But in addition to that sort of defined role, we are responsible for the Army's historical programs writ large, meaning that we, that we synergize and we advocate for historians across the Army. And the Army employs around about five to 600 historians wow. in various capacities. And some of these are history teachers mm-hmm. and professors and instructors who teach history in uh, professional military education and training courses uh, in, the, uh, in the senior service college, in the staff college, things like that. And while those history instructors are, are not a part of CMH, we're responsible for being an advocate for them at the Army level, which means fighting for their visibility and their programs and reminding our leaders of the importance of history and historical mindedness throughout uh, the life cycle of a, of a soldier or civilian. Yeah, and we're going to touch on in, in, in a few minutes why it is important that we study history in the Army or that leaders use history. Right. But um, besides the Center of Military History, you know, there's the Combined Arms Center, there's the Army Heritage and Education Center up at Carlisle. So what's the difference? You know, who's, who's really in charge of history or how do we share history? Yeah, I mean, so that sort of question of who's who in the zoo is sort of interesting for the Army because the Army does have, uh, of all of the services, has the biggest and most wide-reaching historical program. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's really the one of all the services that is sort of the most unified in its approach in that we all collaborate. And though we all work for different commands and have different missions, we we approach those missions in a very unified sort of way. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and so uh, there are a lot of different entities that have historians, and you mentioned uh, a couple of them. And these go all the way from, for example, uh, at West Point, uh, the Department of History at West Point is responsible for uh, for teaching history to undergraduates who are cadets at West Point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we consider those folks uh, who are, are a mix of military and civilian faculty a part of the Army Historical Program, mm-hmm. even though they work at West Point. Uh, the same goes for the historians who teach at CGSC and SAMS at Fort Leavenworth, mm-hmm. Kansas. They're members of the Army Historical Program. Uh, each one of the TRADOC centers and schools has history instructors who teach history in those training courses, in those branch training courses for all ranks that, that train to join the Army. And so we teach history at every level of education and training all the way up to f- at, at the Army War College. Uh, yeah. they're, they're professors who teach history at the sort of the strategic level of war uh, to the students at the Army War College. And so we have an impact on on every soldier and civilian in the Army uh, in conveying that importance of historical mindedness. All right, great. And and the Army Heritage and Education Center at Carlisle, um, they collect history also, but what's, what's the difference between them and, and CMH? Yeah, it's... Uh, it bears talking about because the, the unique mission of AHEC, the Army Heritage Education Center, is to serve as a point of reference and education for really for the nation, for the American public in understanding the heritage of individual soldier service uh, through collecting documents uh, and making, an, making archives available to researchers 
uh, and individuals and private individuals to understand the Army's past, uh, but then also uh, to maintain a museum collection which highlights uh, the individual's service and how that relates to the Army's long heritage. Mm -hmm. And under uh, the Center of Military History, there is the Army Museum Enterprise. Um, and we can talk about that briefly. Um, there'll be later podcasts where we go more in depth on uh, the AME. But um, is the museum at a heck part of the Army Museum Enterprise? It is. And so uh, the Army uh, maintains uh, 30 different museums uh, that are located around the Army, around the world, in, uh, in, the, in the U.S., uh, in, uh, in Alaska, I'm sorry, in Hawaii, uh, and then in two overseas countries, Germany and Korea. Uh, and in addition to those uh, unit museums, uh, the Army has uh, a couple of historical collections. Uh, one of those is at AHEC uh, mm -hmm. that services and supports the, uh, the Heritage Education Center Museum there uh, in Carlisle Barracks. Uh, the Corps of Engineers in Fort Belvoir, Virginia, maintains a research collection of artifacts mm -hmm. based on civil engineering. Mm -hmm. uh, the, uh, the Army Special Operations Command maintains a small museum at Fort Bragg, North mm -hmm. Carolina, as part of the Special Warfare Center. Uh, and then we also uh, maintain uh, here, as a part of the Army's museum enterprise, the National Museum of the United States Army mm -hmm. at Fort Belvoir. Mm -hmm. and, and so uh, all of these museums fit together in terms of telling a very comprehensive story of the Army, both from the individual soldier's perspective at places mm -hmm. like Namusa and at AHEC, but then also from the unit perspective at those unit museums that are around the Army. Oh, great. Yeah. And, <clears throat> you know, just as a former soldier myself, you know, everywhere I've been stationed, they've had museums. And uh, it's been just great to visit those and learn more about the unit and uh, just soldier stories and soldier history. So uh, it's been really important. But then CMH um, um, really has a mission to support HQDA, and I know we do a lot of publications. We've got over 600 publications. I don't know if you want to just um, uh, touch on that briefly, um, what the publications are for. And sure. So they're really the CMH's calling card over time. And so when you, when you ask people uh, about uh, if you did a word association with CMH or the Center of Military History with your average person who's a history buff or knows anything about history or is even a professional historian, they would probably reference one particular publication that we produce, and it's called the Green Books. Mm -hmm. uh, and these are the very famous history of the U.S. Army in World War II, uh, the multi-volume series uh, that was begun immediately at the conclusion of World War II mm -hmm. uh, and that continued all the way into the 1980s in mm -hmm. terms of work on the series. Wow. But that's our most famous publication, but it's only one of hundreds mm -hmm. uh, of, of, of individual publications and series that we publish. Mm -hmm. And the intent behind our publications program is to document the Army's history very systematically, uh, both in breadth in terms of covering different campaigns, wars, conflicts, uh, and other, other special topics, mm -hmm. so in breadth, uh, but also in depth. And so we have publications of varying lengths and focuses for different audiences, all the way from, for example, you know, the Green Books, which are incredibly detailed mm -hmm. with orders of battle, with charts, photographs, maps that really serve as a research tool, uh, much more than a book that you would pick up and read. Mm -hmm. right. uh, all the way down to our, our shorter monographs, uh, which we've tended to call pamphlets at some points. But these are shorter publications, 50, 60 pages mm -hmm. that, are, that are quick, uh, 
general summations of battles and campaigns that are more aimed at a non-academic audience mm-hmm. or a popular audience right. or even a military audience to use mm-hmm. in training or education. Uh, and so the intent behind having this range of publications is to get historical content out to the Army and the public in different formats and lengths in ways that people uh, can approach them based on their own needs for history. Mm-hmm. And we've got some. I mean, we have publications coming out all the time. In fact, you know, um, Modern War in an Ancient Land about um, um, American forces or the U.S. Army in Afghanistan through 2014. We have a new one that just came out uh, about the uh, ISIS, our conflicts with ISIS, right. and about um, uh, COVID-19. Right. So th- those are. It's, I mean, it's a it's a testament to the great work that CMH does in turning these around right. and informing well the army as well as the public. Uh, about these and, and getting those lessons, which is a which is a great transition to the next topic, which is so why is history important? Why do we do all this? You know, we've got a better understanding of what CMH does, but that's the next question. Why? Why is history important to the army? History is important to the army, I believe, in two general sorts of senses. So, uh, in the first sense. Uh, what I call historical mindedness, and, I, mm-hmm. and I'm going to refer to that term because I think it's the theme of what we do. I think it's our calling card. It's our elevator speech, mm-hmm. uh, is that historical mindedness matters to uh, soldiers and civilians of all ranks and all duties because an awareness of the Army's past uh, builds resiliency in terms of people understanding that, that the challenges that they may face or the missions that they may have uh, are generally not new. There is some occurrence or some reference or some echo of the present always in the past. And there's always uh, something that can be learned from understanding how previous generations uh, uh, have grappled with those problems. And so, uh, but that understanding, as I said, creates this resiliency, this Mm -hmm. idea that you, you can deal with the conditions of being in the Army uh, by understanding that other people like you mm-hmm. uh, have approached and surmounted those issues. Uh, in some mm-hmm. cases, the Army has been challenged or struggled uh, in particular uh, arenas. And so learning from the warts and all of our mm-hmm. history is very important in that terms of, of, of building people's resiliency. Uh, historical mindedness also builds, I believe, esprit de corps. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone's ability to understand uh, when they serve in a particular unit, for example, that unit's past, that breeds an esprit de corps that uh, encourages someone to be proud of and to want to live up to that past. Mm-hmm. And so resiliency and esprit de corps, uh, and we tend to refer, or I tend to refer to programs that build resiliency and esprit de corps as focusing on Army, on, on Army heritage. Mm-hmm. And so we use history and heritage in the title of the podcast right. because I think these programs are more focused on uh, what I would call heritage awareness, mm-hmm. which again builds esprit de corps, builds cohesion, and it builds resiliency. Mm-hmm. So that's one sense in which I think historical mindedness is important. The other is in the sense of uh, historical mindedness being a tool. Uh, a tool to learn from the past in the pursuit of making better decisions uh, and having better outcomes now and in the future. Uh, And that's where uh, history becomes, again, a resource. Uh, But this implies that one can uh, 
can have the ability to, to read, to understand the past, but also to have access to records mm-hmm. of the past. Uh, and that's where CMH fills such a key role for the Army, is in maintaining a physical record of the past in terms of documents, in terms of digitally maintained archives, uh, and in terms of publications mm-hmm. that give people the tools. So, for example, uh, in in a headquarters setting or in a policy setting, we've got this challenge or this new mission that's coming up. We've got to decide on how the Army will approach that mission and accomplish it. Well, uh, it would be easy just to throw up your hands and 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 say that, uh, well, this is a new challenge. This is an unprecedented challenge. And you hear these terms all the time mm-hmm. now that we've never faced a right. challenge like right. this before. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's really not true. Right. And so uh, a benefit of historical mindedness is that you will default to the idea that there is something in the past, something in the Army's past that you can use uh, not to create sort of a checklist for what to do, mm-hmm but to gain a perspective from the past that would enable you to think about uh, similar situations, uh, what was done in similar situations, and not that that will tell you what to do, but it may, t- it may shape your planning and your decision in the future. All right. And so yeah. I think that's the, those are the two dimensions of historical mindedness that, that I think are valuable. One is using history in a decision-making and in a planning role, and the other is that heritage awareness. Yeah, and, and historical mindedness, as, as you're putting it, I think, is, is that the same as actionable history? Because I've heard that term used a lot as well. Yeah, we, we tend to use those terms sort of interchangeably. Mm-hmm. I think of actionable history as, yes, as both of those things. And it, mm-hmm. and it becomes actionable because it is something that, that, that units, that commanders, that soldiers, that civilians can use for these various purposes. Mm-hmm. And I, I know that we get uh, queries from HQDA or other commands um, for exactly what you're talking about. Hey, we have a certain type of mission coming up. Um, can you give me some perspective on that? That's right. And um, a, a very interesting story, I thought, was that for um, to, to fight, I think, the insurgency in, in, in Iraq um, or, or ISIS, I, I can't remember which one it was, but that uh, a staff ride was used. Um, for some senior leaders that um, uh, addressed the Seminole Wars in Florida. But they were able to take lessons learned from that and apply it to how how to fight ISIS or or the insurgency in Iraq. That's right. That was an Army general who was at the time was stationed at the U.S. Central Command in Tampa, and he worked with the Center of Military History to develop a staff ride uh, that uh, for actions that took place during the Seminole War in northern Florida. Mm -hmm. And uh, this was the Dade campaign. Uh, which, spoiler alert, uh, had a very bad outcome <laughs> for uh, for that particular unit and for Dade's, uh, Dade's formation. But that's also an example of the point that I often raise is that, 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 that our work as a historical office is not purely sort of celebratory. Mm-hmm. We're, not, right. we're not ignoring the bad parts of the Army's past and just celebrating the good parts. We are learning from all aspects of the Army's history. And who should be learning? Is it just uh, is it just senior leaders in the Army that should be using CMH and reading this history, or should it be expanded to more soldiers? Well, our mission or our, uh, our current emphasis and focus is to broaden this appeal of, of using and understanding history to all ranks of the Army. And that's where I think there is such power 
in our recent sort of reorganization and realignment underneath the Army's Training and Doctrine Command. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so until 2019, CMH was a subordinate element of, uh, of the Army Secretariat. Mm-hmm. So we worked directly for the Army headquarters, which gave us a lot of impact and visibility at senior levels, but it very much limited our ability to influence the wider Army. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so uh, in a round of headquarters and Army reforms in 2018 and 2019, we made the decision that CMH was a good fit for the Training and Doctrine Command because the Training and Doctrine Command, as their name says, is focused on, uh, on inducting and training the force in terms of its people, but then also uh, writing its doctrine, writing its procedures, and maintaining that, uh, that architecture over time to ensure that the Army is ready for any mission. And so we see that, uh, that we belong now to a headquarters that gets us, as I right. say, mm-hmm. uh, is that True. we fit very neatly within the TRADOC mission. Uh, and what we offer, the products and services that CMH offers the Army, uh, can provide real value uh, in a lot of different ways to the entire Army as a member of TRADOC. And how, um, uh, how does CMH connect history, Army history, to units? I know we have the Army Historical Program, and there's ways that units can actually participate. Can you talk about that a little bit? Sure. This, is, this starts at the very basic level of, of maintaining a system by which uh, units uh, can get uh, what we call campaign participation credit for their unit's historical participation in battles, wars, campaigns over time. Uh, and so CMH is responsible within the Army's infrastructure to maintain those records of lineage and honors for units, so battle honors, which mm-hmm. translate to uh, the the awards that soldiers wear in their uniforms, the, the streamers that they carry on their colors. Uh, they're li- maintaining their physical lineage uh, in the past. Uh, but this also uh, extends to uh, our advice to the Army on applying unit lineages to units when they activate mm-hmm. or change uh, or change their organizations. So we advise on all of those things as well. Uh, and now with our, again, our realignment into TRADOC, we're beginning to think about how we use the digital space. Mm-hmm. So this is one of the ways in which we're doing it right now in this podcast. Right. Mm-hmm. But how we can use tools like social media, tools like e-books, audiobooks, uh, different formats of our publications to appeal to wider audiences, and how we can begin to impact the Army's newest and most junior soldiers in the basic training <clears throat> base right. to begin to inculcate in them a sense of the the long heritage of service that they're joining. Right, and um, at units right now, you, you have unit history officers uh, I believe, and we're trying to expand that. I don't think right. it's available to every unit, yeah. but I want to make sure that units out there know that they can be a part of this. They can, and what we're doing is a program uh, called, as you said, the Unit Historical Officer Program, uh, and this acknowledges that that not every unit in the Army has the ability to hire and maintain a historian, mm-hmm. and so what we're doing is developing a, a Unit Historical Officer or a UHO program whereby a unit can assign an officer or an NCO to an additional duty Mm -hmm. as a unit historical officer. And their job is to maintain the unit's historical file Mm -hmm. of documents that describe what the unit has done over time, 
Uh, and to do that, we give them a couple of tools. So CMH is developing a distance learning training course for UHOs mm-hmm. that, t- that teaches them how to do their job. And we have also developed a digital tool set that allows them, based in a web-based format, to uh, have a, uh, a guide and a checklist to what they maintain as a UHO, their, what a unit historical file consists of. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it gives them digital tools to assemble an annual historical report. Right. Or summary for their unit. Mm-hmm. So in, in a way, you could say that history is truly the future of the Army. We are absolutely trying to bring it into the 21st century in that mm-hmm. regard, acknowledging that, that the ways in which people consume information is changing, mm-hmm. the ways in which they maintain information is changing, and the ways in which they understand the past are changing. Right. And um, great. You know, we're, we're getting short on time here, but... Um, is there anything else that you think is important for folks to know about CMH or the role of history in the Army? Well, I just think we need to continue to advertise the various ways that people can connect with the center and mm-hmm. with our uh, with our activities. Uh, the, the Really, the best way is through our website, history.army.mil, which is a treasure trove of materials. Mm-hmm. So virtually every one of our hundreds and hundreds of publications are available for free download in PDF format on our website, history.army.mil. And that also is the place where these unit historical officers and interested commanders can go to to get guidance on how to set up and maintain a historical program. And so there are so many resources available uh, at Mm history.army.mil. But by following us on our social media platforms, Mm -hmm. uh, you can sort of plug in and get quick hits of history or of Army history Mm -hmm. uh, throughout uh, your time. Uh, and then also I'll highlight the National Army Museum's website, which is thenamusa.org. Right, N-M-U-S-A, the N-M-U-S-A.org. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is the National Museum's website, which gives you a portal into the many, many free virtual programs mm-hmm. that they offer for mm-hmm. folks who are not here in the Washington, D.C. area. Right. Yeah, and uh, a lot of virtual programs there. And it's it's yes. really fascinating. So uh, to, to close, the um, closing segment in this, I call Hua Trivia. So I just want to close each episode with a piece of Army trivia, something that will wow the audience, okay. kind of hua. So is there something that you can think of? Yeah, I've got a couple. So I'll start with uh, one of the most popular sort of uh, slogans that we always use and that, that is actually based in fact, in historical fact. Uh, we tell people all the time that the Army uh, actually has more ships than the Navy uh, and we have more <coughs> aircraft than the Air Force. Uh, wow. And so it speaks to the breadth of the Army's missions uh, in all of the domains uh, around the world. Uh, and as an Army aviator, I can say that that applies to me uh, in particular. Uh, my other little bit of trivia today is that uh, the first uh, Army Museum uh, was at West Point, New York, the U.S. Military Academy. Uh, and it was formed in the mid-19th century, immediately after the Mexican-American War, to begin to house war trophies from that conflict. And so the Army's museum enterprise uh, goes deep into the 19th century. Well, thank you, Mr. Bowery, for your insights today about the importance of Army history at all levels of command and leadership and why the Army history program is a central part of a commander's toolkit. And I look forward to having you back on again in the future to talk about other areas of Army history. And if anyone wants to learn more about Army history, I encourage you to explore our website, as Mr. Bowery has pointed out, at history.army.mil. 
And if you want to experience Army history every day, then visit our social media sites on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And make sure you like and share them so that we can get more people excited about Army history. So please join us every week on this podcast for more in-depth discussions about Army history as we cover topics from all eras of U.S. Army history, examining battles, soldier experiences, equipment, weapons, tactics, and lots of trivia. So if you love Army history, you don't want to miss an episode. Thanks for joining us today on the United States Army History and Heritage Podcast. For the Center of Military History, I'm Lee Reynolds, and until next time... We're history. The views expressed in this podcast reflect those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views, policies, or opinions of the U.S. Army or Department of Defense. For more information about the Army's proud history and heritage, go to history.army.mil.com.